there were things and there were red flags that you saw, but you chose to ignore because you were more invested in posting a happy picture of you and your relationship and checking in on how many likes you got on Facebook and Instagram than checking in on your own happiness. Hello and welcome. I'm Lori Hardy. Thanks for listening in as we continue to talk with leaders in our community. Joining me today is Trey Anthony, an award-winning writer, motivational speaker, motivational speaker, relationship life coach. Starting over. Hello and welcome. I'm Lori Hardy. Thanks for listening in as we continue to talk with leaders in our community. Joining me today is Trey Anthony, an award-winning writer, motivational speaker, and relationship life coach. She is the first black woman in Canada to have a television series on Prime Network. And her new book is Black Girl in Love with Herself. Welcome, Trey. I'm so excited to be here. I was going to mention this in the intro, but I thought I'd let you do it. You have had a year. Yes, it's been (laughs) quite a year. (laughs) That's quite an understatement. Yes, I've had a newborn baby, which I adopted. I've had a breakup and I had to move. And I've also been mothering during the pandemic. So it's been a year. And then I wrote a book. So there you go. (laughs) Getting a baby and then a breakup when you get the baby, that had to be excruciating. Yeah, it really was devastating. As I mentioned in the book, Black Girl in Love with Herself, it was really something that brought me to my knees. It really was a shock. My partner sent me a text and it ended our relationship of four years, just basically saying, I no longer want to do this. By text. By text. By text. This is where we're at. By text. And so to say it was shocking and just really cruel and heartless, it Mm -hmm. was just a lot. And then I was given basically mere days, like I think it was 10 to 12 days to move out of the apartment that we shared. I had a newborn and I had to deal with all of that. So, and then I also had this book deadline that was coming up and I was supposed to be writing a book about how to manifest a perfect and wonderful relationship. (laughs) (laughs) And there I was in my perfection. (laughs) You're a relationship coach, right? I'm a relationship coach. So the irony was not lost on me that there I was supposed to be coaching women Mm -hmm. and telling them in this book of how to manifest a wonderful relationship, how to keep your relationship alive, how to write down who you want in your life and when and what. And my whole life was up in flames. And so I had to contact my editor And I said to her, there is no way I can write this book. There's no way. And I was five months from having to give the first draft in. And I said, I would feel like such a hypocrite being that I missed this tsunami that was hitting my own life. And then she turned to me and said, okay, well, then what book can you write? Because we've given you an advance. (laughs) So you better let us know what's happening there. And I said, I can definitely write a book on what to do when you wake up one day And you realize that the life you planned is no longer the life you have. And what to do when you realize that the person who you thought was in charge of loving you has now left. And you realize that you shouldn't have given away that job to someone else to love you. And that love needs to come from yourself. And so that is the book that became Black Girl in Love with Herself. Yeah. I have so many, so many questions. Here's a statement first. Number one, if I'm going to hire a relationship coach, I'm going to want someone that's been there, done that, Yeah. right? I'm not going to look at it as a failure, but I do know that when you're coaching or counseling, 
if you have things happen, then it's hard for you to feel like, who am I to give advice? And yet you're probably the perfect candidate to give advice. (laughs) Yes. And that is very true. Now I feel like so much of my clients and people who have reached out to me have said, you know, your honesty in the book and your vulnerability is what has attracted me to wanting to buy your book, number one, two, to work with you. And just to say that I know that you know what it feels like to feel disappointed, to feel hurt, to feel unloved, to feel unworthy, to feel like I don't know whose life this is, but this isn't the one that I planned. And I think that's why the book has really resonated with so many people because I was cracked wide open. There was nowhere else for me to go, but to be this honest and truthful because the life that I knew it just was no longer there. And I had no control over it. And someone who's such an A-type personality, (laughs) I just felt I could not control this in any way, shape or form because you cannot force somebody to stay with you or love you, right? right? You just can't. Right. And that's where I was at. But seriously, you could have written the book anyway. People will do that, but you were so brave. You were so brave to call your editor and say, hey, and then to be able to say, this is the book I can write. And what I loved is you said it forced you to look inside. Tell us more about that. I was very invested in saying to people when this first happened that I didn't see it coming. Right. So I'd be like, oh, I got this text and it all of a sudden my relationship of four years just blew up in my face. And I was invested in that story. And then after I had to sit with this and say, no, 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 no. There were things and there were red flags that you saw, but you chose to ignore because you were more invested in posting a happy picture of you and your relationship and checking in on how many likes you got on Facebook and Instagram than checking in on your own happiness. And I could really say I was very lonely in that relationship. There were many things that financially definitely were met and but my emotional needs were not being met in that relationship. But what I loved was the attention that relationship brought to me. And I was able to check off all of those little boxes of like, well, here I am, someone has chosen me. I've met my person. We have this beautiful home. We now are gonna start a family. And it was this checklist, checklist, checklist. Instead of saying, hey, Trey, do you wanna check in and see if you're actually still happy with this person? There were many signs that I chose to ignore. And I think that's why so many people, when they read the book, Black Girl in Love With Herself, is that they say, I see myself in that, that I forgot to check in with myself because I'm so busy trying to pretend that I have this happiness or that I'm managing so many things, my children, my husband, my partner, my job, that I forgot to check in with myself of how do you feel about your own damn life? That's so much more powerful than a relationship book because we know this, but we don't practice it is it all starts with us. And what really drew me to your book is the part about, well, the black woman in love with herself and self-love. Gosh, there are so many myths, so many things we've been told negatively about self-love. You want to talk about some of those? I think it comes down to, like, I remember when my relationship ended and my mother said, oh, it just hurts me so much that you have found yourself at this terrible position at this point in your life. And she said, you're going to be so lonely. And I said, I was like, no, I'm not lonely. Like I said, I'm alone. 
but I'm not lonely. And I think that's one of the things that women have to really struggle with that if we reach a certain age here, I was in my forties now and I'm saying nobody has picked me. And what does that then mean? And I had to look and say, well, you have picked yourself. You have chosen yourself. Just because you are by yourself doesn't mean that you are lonely or that you are unworthy. And I think so many of us are so invested, myself included, in comparing myself to other women my age who seem to have my life, right? And that's what I wanted is their life. And mm-hmm. I just said, no, I have to love myself and create that for myself. And also too, around self-love, of just saying that it's not selfish to love yourself first or put yourself first. And I think especially for a lot of mothers, and I struggled with this as a mom, of being like selfless and saying, you know what, the only way I'm going to be a good mom is if I'm good to myself. So that includes taking care of myself physically, emotionally, mentally, because that's the only way I can show up as a good mom to my son. Because if I am feeling tired, if I'm feeling overwhelmed, if I'm feeling run down, if I'm feeling hugely wounded and vulnerable, I'm not gonna be my best as a mother. So I have to take care of me first. I call that self-full. Yes. And I always say, I'd rather be alone and single than alone and married. Yes. And there's a lot of people, Lori, who are alone and married. And I can tell you how many times I sat in this beautiful luxury apartment and I was the loneliest I've ever felt and unhappy. And I would just look around at all of the wonderful things that I should have been happy about. And yet I realized I didn't have a person in my life who was available to me emotionally. So when you made that switch and decided you were going to love you, what did you do? What steps did you take to make that happen? The first thing I did was get rid of the shame. And I had to get rid of the shame and guilt of saying that my relationship failed, but I was not a failure. That was really a hard part for me, especially because I was so visible on social media around having this wonderful relationship. So I felt so humiliated that someone had left me, right? So I had to actually talk about that and name that and Mm -hmm. say, this is what has happened. And I want the women to know you can get back up off the bathroom floor and choose you. Mm -hmm. The other thing that I was really intentional about what self-care looked like for me. So it was about getting up every single day. Like I started, I popped the baby in the stroller and I started walking for 20 minutes. That 20 minutes then started to be 10 minutes of also jogging. And then that jogging led to me now running like three miles a day with the baby in the stroller. The other thing that I did was meditate. And I know that there's some women who will be rolling their eyes right now going, where the heck do you get time to meditate? I barely have time. And for me, it was taking that 10 minutes and getting up 10 minutes to 50 minutes earlier than my son and making sure that I had that me time to center myself. The other thing that I did is I started to unfollow all of the Instagram and Facebook accounts that made me feel like crap. Yeah, I was just like, you know what? I don't want to know about you and your significant other standing in front of the fireplace with matching pajamas and drinking hot cocoa when I can barely find a matching pair of socks for my kid. Welcome to reality. Right. I said, that's not me with your white furniture where my kitchen is a mess. I was just like, I'm not doing that. So I unfollowed people who just didn't make me feel good about myself. And then the other thing I did is I affirm to myself what was important. So I would say to myself, Trey, you are doing a really good job. 
Your son is healthy. You have a beautiful home. You are a kind person. Because I needed to get rid of that critical voice in my head, what was saying the opposite of like, oh, look at you, you're 40 something and nobody's picked you. You don't have a ring on your finger. Oh, you didn't create a great life for your son. He doesn't have come from a two parent household. And I really had to get rid of that voice and affirm the goodness in my life and also remind myself that I was a good person and that this relationship didn't define me. It sounds like the more you talk about this, the more your story loses power, the more that negative loses power and the positive of what you've done with it is more empowering. Yes. Like a friend of mine said, this is the story of the biggest comeback ever of (laughs) lemons into lemonade. This is your Adele album. (laughs) She said that people are just going to be like, remember when Adele wrote that album when she said her, her boyfriend left her and it became the biggest thing of her life. They were like, this is your Adele album. This book is going to heal so many women who are going to see themselves in you. And maybe they might not be the ones to be left behind, but maybe they're the ones who decide to leave or make changes in their relationship and in their lives to say, this is what I now am worthy of. And this no longer serves me. And that is really what was important to me, to be walking in my purpose, to give the message to women, to free themselves of all of these checklists and the need to be chosen or, you know, I think we've listened way too much to Jerry Maguire about you complete me or Meredith Grey, choose me, pick me. And I'm like, no, pick yourself, choose yourself, love yourself first. That is so beautiful. If we could get everybody to believe that. I also am a coach. And so I run into that. What surprises me and it shouldn't is the resistance to it. Yes. So I decided to be a really good example this Mother's Day. And it's hard to spend money on yourself, but I went out and I bought two great big fuchsias and hung them in my window so I could see them. And I went, that's self-care. That's taking care of me, doing something I love and I'm worth it. And you're worth it. One of the things I do now often is buy flowers for my office. So when I'm working, I can look up and I could see them. And that was something that I always depended on someone to buy flowers for me. And I was like, why can't I buy them for myself? They bring me joy. Mm-hmm. And so that is the same thing with you. Like when you buy something for yourself, make yourself happy. Why not? I remember setting the bath for my son and I would be putting in all of his favorite bubble baths and all of his toys and everything. And then I'd be taking a quick two minute shower. And I was like, wait a second, I deserve that. So I ordered a whole bunch of wonderful bubble baths, essential oils, and I take a bath like maybe like three times a week now, instead of this rush shower all of the time, because I said, I do this for other people. Why wouldn't I do this for myself? I got my hair cut last week and I said to my hairdresser, boy, you've been posting flowers every week. You must have a new bow. And she goes, no, I do that for myself. Right. Good on her. Right. Exactly. And so I went out and did it too. (laughs) And I think when other women see you loving yourself, it gives them permission as well to love themselves and say, why not? So that is what I'm really hoping that I'm just living exactly what I'm talking about. And not every day is going to be, you know, sunshine and roses and flowers, Mm -hmm. but it's the reminder Mm -hmm. that you know what you are trying and you are intentional about self-care. And some days you're going to be at 10 out of 10. And then some days you're going to be maybe a four out of 10. And I've heard it said that confident women are very sexy because they know what they want. Of course, sometimes we're framed as bossy 
or whatever. (laughs) But there is something to be said for confidence. And it's very different than arrogance. Very true. What I've said to people now is the next person who shows up in my life really has to think about contributing to the love that I have, but not completing the love that I have. And it has to be a really special person because I have become a real expert about what love and kindness and tenderness feels to me. And so you got to learn that too. If you're going to be a part of my life, I'm going to say, this is the expectations because I've already taught myself of what love feels like, what feels good to me. And I think a lot of women, myself included, go into relationships waiting for someone to complete us, go into relationships still damaged. Some of us show up with a six-year-old little girl who's dying for somebody to pick them and choose them and love them. And until you heal that little girl, you're going to continue to pick the same thing over and over again of what feels familiar. And a lot of times what feels familiar is coldness, dysfunctional, and not getting your needs met. That's right. I always say make the familiar unfamiliar. Exactly. Because we we will always go back to what we know. It's just human nature. What I love is I don't know you from before, but it sounds like you went from a need for someone to a want. And I think that's so amazing because it gives us more freedom and choice. And for me, like, of course, I would love to be in a relationship at some point. But I don't no longer have this desperate need of like, please, 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 because a relationship gives me status. It gives me a sense of importance. Now I'm just like, you know, at some point it would be wonderful to share my life with someone. But if not, I'm still okay by myself. I'm okay. I'm really more than okay. You will attract that now because you don't come across as needy and desperate. So that is what I've been finding is that because I'm now walking in this sense of confidence and owning who I am, I'm seeing all of these potential suitors coming and I'm like, okay, I can, you know, pick A, B, C, D, E, or F. (laughs) I love it. Maybe somebody listening isn't really familiar with the law of attraction. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? In my book, I talk a lot about the law of attraction and manifestation. I'm a big believer in you attract where you are and what you believe. And so for me, one of the things I've been really talking about when it comes down to like manifesting a healthy relationship. I say, I am healthy. I am whole. I am lovable. I am worthy. And so it's about shutting down those negative thoughts in your mind and truly believing that all of the good messages and listening into that positive voice. Also about having the feeling behind it. I teach a mastermind group and just last night, a woman in there was talking about wanting a new job. She's been writing it down in her journal every single day. And I said, but there also has to be a feeling because she kept saying, I want a new job. And I said, no, what you have to say is I'm so excited and thankful for this brilliant new career opportunity that I have. So you have to act like you're ready in it. And you have to think about that feeling that comes up with it. I've been manifesting Super Soul Sunday now for the longest time. And I keep going, I'm so thankful and excited to be sitting in front of Oprah talking about my book, Black Girl in Love with Herself. And I keep feeling it and seeing it. And I picture myself with Oprah and Oprah going, wow, because there's a feeling behind it. And so you have to do all of those things and put it out to the universe. The universe knows exactly what you're looking for. And also language. You took her from I want 
Yes. To I am. I don't know if you've heard of Dr. Caroline Leaf. I got to interview yes. her. She says our mind can change our brain. And so when we're saying I want, our brain goes, oh, they don't have it yet. And maybe yeah. they don't really want it. Changing our language, like not saying should and not saying need to, but want to. And want I heard to. you say that. So say more about our language. Yeah, it really is about using positive. A lot of times when we want something, we're like, oh, well, I don't want that. I don't want to lose my job. I don't want to be lonely the rest of my life. I don't want to not have a relationship. I don't want to be 40 and not be with someone. So it's about doing the opposite because the universe responds to what you say. So they're like, oh, she doesn't. Okay. Okay. Oh, so I'm going to give her more of that. So instead, if you're trying to manifest a relationship, say, I am grateful to be in a healthy and wonderful relationship where I feel loved. If you want to manifest a new job, I'm so grateful and blessed to be working at the job of my dreams. It's about taking out all of the negative in the wants that you're trying to desire and what you want to show up in your life. So language is very, very important. I now stop saying, oh, I'm dying to see you. I'm I'm like, nope, I ain't doing that. (laughs) I don't want any kind of dying right now in my life. So I'm always like, oh, it's going to be so wonderful when we get together. So I will say things like that. Like I take out anything that remotely sounds a bit negative. Talk about gratitude. Yeah. In my book, Black Girl in Love With Herself, I talk about writing down things that you're thankful for. And I'm telling you, when my life hit rock bottom and there was nowhere left to go, I was just like, what do I have to be thankful for? <laughs> right? It was one of the hardest things, but I also knew that in order for things to be better and improve, I had to be grateful for the little things. So sometimes it was as simple as saying, I am grateful for this warm cup of coffee this morning. I am grateful that my son gave me a kiss and a hug and it made my day. I sometimes would say I'm grateful for that friend who called and checked in on me to see if I was okay. I was grateful that I found $5 in my jeans when I was doing the laundry. So sometimes it's these little things. It doesn't have to be these big things. But what I force myself to do is that every day I change that list. Sometimes it was as simple as saying, I'm so grateful for the feeling of this pillowcase on my face or the sun shining on me as I'm walking, my legs, which are strong. Because the more you are thankful and express gratitude, the more the universe will respond and say, oh, I'm going to give her more of that. She's a grateful being. She loves those things. And it's basically saying to the universe, give me more because I'm appreciative of it. I work with women in recovery and number one, gratitude is the number one thing they work on. And the second thing is what you said earlier, they center themselves every day, whether it's five minutes or 15 minutes. And it seems like the regular world doesn't understand how important it is. They're like, we don't have time for that, but we don't have time not to. Not to, not to. So what would you say is your biggest takeaway from all of this? My biggest takeaway was you cannot give away the job of loving you to someone else. Because when they are gone or stop loving you, you are left with nothing at all. And so you have to be the primary lover of yourself, the primary cheerleader, and the primary person of tenderness and kindness to yourself. And then make people catch you loving yourself. That is what I say. Let someone show up and go, wow, 
she really is loving herself. I need to do that, <laughs> right? Because she's doing it quite well. That has been my biggest takeaway. And for women to know that they are worthy of their own time. You are worthy of your own time. You give it away so freely to other people. Take some of that back. I love how you said that your takeaway was don't give away that job, which takes it away from being a victim. Yes, yes. I love that. It puts it back into a place of choosing. And you choose and you do choose. And I think, as I said before, I was so invested when this relationship blew up in my face of being the victim and somebody had to be the bad guy and it didn't have to be me. And then I said, no, you participated in this. You saw things that you chose not to see. There was an exchange of certain things that made your life better. And you decided to take that exchange at the expense of being lonely, not being respected, not feeling heard and not being seen. There was an exchange because you wanted to live in a beautiful apartment. You wanted to post wonderful pictures of you and your partner. You wanted to jump on a plane every other week, all of those kind of things. And there's an exchange for that. And it was funny um, when I was writing my list the first time before meeting my partner, it was so funny that I wrote these things. This person has to be making $100,000 or more. They have to own their own home. They have to be ambitious. They have to be hardworking. And not once on that list did I talk about kindness. Did I talk about compassion? Did I talk about respect? And the universe gave me exactly what I ordered. Wow. And I realized I did not think those things were essential or I took it for granted that someone would show up with those things. And then I realized this next list, those things go to the top of my list. Now, all of those things go to the top. A good listener, someone who's able to have a conversation with me without making me feel guilty or not worthy. Someone who's done their work themselves and worked on themselves, who's done therapy, who walks through the world with a level of compassion and kindness. Those things are essential. As women, sometimes we're, we're writing down, well, they must be six feet tall. They must drive a nice car. And those things you will find become very shallow. And you will find yourself exactly where I found myself with a person who sends you a text ending a four-year relationship because they don't have it within them of kindness and generosity and respect. That is what has shifted for me. What has become really essential is the universe does respond. So be careful about what you're putting out there. So where do you hang your new list? My new list is in my journal. I read my journal every single day and I'm reminded of it. Now when I look at it, but I have faith that it will come to pass the way it needs to. I'm not forcing it or any way. I'm just kind of like, my person will find me and they will find me at the right time. And the universe is out there working on my behalf. But I still am in the process of also healing and getting better. And I know that about myself, that I know that I'm still working on me right now. So once my healing is done, I know the universe will bring everything that needs to come into my life. Thank you so much for sharing with us. Tell us again the name of your book. Yes, it's called Black Girl in Love with Herself. And you could be a Black girl in love with yourself, a white girl in love with yourself, an Asian girl in love with herself, an Indigenous girl. It doesn't matter. It's for every woman who has found herself in a life that you no longer recognize and you really want to know how to get back to loving you and finding your voice. And what a great example for the children when we do this. 
Yes, it's so important. It's so essential to make young girls seeing you, loving yourself, your daughters, the young family members, all seeing yourself. And so it's important. It starts with you. Please get out there, buy my book. You can follow me on Instagram. I'm there, Black Girl in Love With Herself and Twitter and Facebook. Where can I buy your book? Anywhere books are sold. It's on Amazon. There's an Audible book, which is really amazing, which I narrate. And there is an interview with my mom talking about how she felt when my whole life came crashing down, which is amazing. That's a bonus interview on the book. You can buy it um, Barnes and Nobles, at Amazon, anywhere that books are sold, that's where you can get the book. I will be picking up the audio version because I have a long commute and I love to listen. Yes. To tape. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. I so appreciate it. Thank you for telling your story and thank you for being brave enough to change your path. I'm Lori Hardy. Thanks for listening today. We hope you've learned something new. Join us again next week as we continue to talk with leaders that are making a difference.